Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Seven Churches, Praise and Admonishment, Part Two. Good afternoon. Oh, Doyle mentioned in the uh, opening prayer about spring and about its loveliness. And it does put a little bit of excitement in, into the air, you know, anticipating warm weather, crops, flowers, all of those things that happen. Now, I know that I've uh, read this to you before about what to plant in your garden. If you haven't thought about it, you might want to think about these particular things that you might want to grow in the coming year. How to plant your garden. You've heard this, I know, but anyway. You gotta plant three rows of peas. Three rows of peas. Peace of mind, peace of heart, peace of soul. Then you've gotta plant uh, four rows of squash. Squash gossip, squash indifference, squash grumbling. Squash selfishness. You know, sometimes when I, I try to plant seeds, and sometimes they, they don't grow very well, but when you're out there in the garden alone, sometimes you, think you have a lot of time to think about your life and about the lives of others and about where you're coming from and where you're going. Because you know you, you're exercising a lot of faith whenever you plant a seed into the soil. You have faith that that seed is, gonna, is programmed to do what it's supposed to grow. If you're planting squash, it's you know, not going to turn into uh, a cucumber or anything like that. So you have this faith. You think about what uh, God has done in order that we can, through nature, learn about the way of life that he has given to us. So, you know, four rows of squash. How about four rows of lettuce? Four rows of lettuce. Like, let us be faithful. Let us be kind. Let us be patient, and let us really love one another. So you think about those things. No garden, of course, is without turnips. Like turnip for meetings, turnip for service, turnip to help one another, and then to conclude all this planting of these seeds that we put into our garden, we have to have Time. I used to pronounce it fine, but it's time. Time for each other, time for family, time for friends. And water freely with patience and cultivate, cultivate it with love. And remember this, there is much fruit in your garden because you reap what you sow. If you uh, plant the right thing, Good things are going to come from the garden. It's going to grow. So, I won't read this again until maybe next spring. Okay, uh, about a month ago, I was talking about the seven churches, and I mentioned um, Ephesus and Smyrna. Uh, Just a brief review, Revelation, in Revelation 2, uh, uh, we see that... uh, there is this church at Ephesus. Ephesus, In its first state, 
they received the doctrine of Christ in all purity and dedication, but, you know, they had lost their first love, and, this is, and they were admonished to return to that first love. Then we looked at the church in Smyrna. Its meaning is, uh, means a uh, myrrh or sweet-smelling uh, savor, but there was a period of time in, uh, when uh, Smyrna went through a persecution and martyrdom, but we look at these churches, and we can look at them as maybe just a group. Because sometimes when you think, well, this is applying to the group, we forget to look at, look at it as applying to us individually. That these words have meaning directed toward us today. So now we're going to look at the church in Pergamos. In Revelation 2, verses 12 through 17, to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, These things saith he, which has the sharp sword with two edges. You know, two edges, when you have a sharp sword, you know, it pierces easily. It's more like a, more like a weapon. You know, as, when you compare it to, say, like a, a knife that has one edge that's sharpened and that you're trying to sharpen or, or cut through some piece of meat. But this one, you know, a sharp sword has two edges. Pergamos, by the way, means height, it means elevation. But we see that this church was steadfast in spite of bad and evil surroundings. They stayed steadfast. They stayed faithful. Verse 13, I know your works and where you dwell, even where Satan's seat is. And you hold fast my name and have not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwells. So we see this praise that Pergamus has, and this, uh, when Antipas was killed, uh, that could have been a huge discouragement for the body of Christ. It could have been a disappointment. It could have made them question and maybe give up the faith and wonder if they want to uh, follow along and be slain themselves, but they, they held onto their faith. Antipas, you know, anti means against or opposed to, and pas means, uh, comes from the word papas or Latin words, papas, and referring to the father or the pope. Because, you know, we look at uh, ancient Rome, we look at Rome today, and, you know, there are a lot of things that come down to our churches today come from what the uh, church there in Rome wants us to believe in and do. But here in Pergamos, there, it, it was a center for emperor worship. And there in the city was an altar to Zeus. And there was a temple for Asclepius where people went to find healing. And there, because these places had satanic influences, yet the church living amidst all of that still held to the faith of Jesus. So it must have been an everyday struggle. And we could apply it to ourselves, too. You know, we, we have sometimes a life that has a lot of struggles in it against us. However, we see that uh, there were some there that were tolerating the evil. It was so widespread that, you know, it just sort of, well, everybody's doing it. Let's, uh, let's join in. And so they were compromising uh, their faith. Verse 14 but I have a few things against you, because you have there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block 
before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. You know, a stumbling block is something that you trip over. Uh, it's a snare, it's an entrapment, and it causes, can cause you iniquity. You can fall and stumble, but it's if you just lay there and wallow in it and not try to change it and get up uh, from it, then that's when uh, it can be a, a, a stumbling, stumbling block and cause iniquity. So, when you, uh, all of these things that uh, Pergamos was doing was good, but then there were some there that were compromising their faith. Verse uh, 15, uh, so have you also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Uh, who this, uh, what, who this uh, name applies to, you know, naturally it's somebody named probably Nicholas. But uh, this, uh, and those people then, they knew what it was alluding to. And we see a little hint of it explained as, uh, as what the doctrines of, of those Nicolaitans were, and it's similar to the doctrine of Balaam. Uh, they're distinct, but yet they have the, they're same. They're the same in two different ways, because each one of them was a compromising faith, was a practice that uh, led them into immorality. Now, here's what the uh, admonition for them is, is to repent or else I will come unto you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So it's these that hold those doctrines of Balaam, of the Nicolaitans, that uh, he will come quickly and you don't want to be caught while with them doing the wrong thing. And so we have this, verse 17, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna, even the food of life, and the angels' food from heaven, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knows, save he that receives it. So, looking at Pergamos, we do not want to compromise our uh, godly morality with the evil that's going on around us just because the rest of society might be doing it and getting away with it. We also need to be aware of false doctrines and be careful not to engage in pagan practices, rituals, things of that sort, but to hold fast to the faith of Jesus and not deny his, his name. That's, you know, that's his honor or his, his way of life, his reputation, his authority in our life, but to be faithful even to death. So the praise to the per, uh, Pergamos church is for persevering in faith. That can be hard to do when things are going against you. Let's look at Thyatira, Revelation chapter 2, beginning verse 19. This is... Uh, the church of Jezebel, the, uh, an evil prophetess, a compromising church. Uh, Thyatira uh, means song of labor or, or contrition. Verse 19, I know your works and charity and service and faith and your patience and your works and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against you because you suffer that woman Jezebel which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my 
servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Uh, this is, you know, similar to what was going on in, uh, in the church at Pergamos. So this church, like them, they were tolerating the evil, the immorality that she preached. In verse 21, and I gave her space to repent of her fornication, but she repented not. So apparently she knew better, and she was of the faith, but had self-appointed herself to, uh, to preach another doctrine that she believed in. And she was given space to repent from those things. But she, re, uh, but she refused. She didn't. And verse 22, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So if you go along with this, these teachings, then you're bound to go along with whatever punishment befalls this prophetess and, and, and the doctrines. So she and her followers will come down uh, with uh, tribulation unless they uh, repent. Verse 23, and I will kill her children with death. This uh, children uh, would be like the spiritual descendants of her teachings, of her doctrines, and also uh, apply to them physically as well. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. So we see this as being, things being taught to the church as a whole, but take these personally, and it will have a lot more meaning of things that we might need to change in our life. But unto you, verse 24, I say, and unto the rest, in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the uh, depths of Satan, you know, the, the deep things of Satan, as they uh, speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you have already hold, already have, or hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh, and keepeth my, keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations." And he, shall reign, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. You know, some of the things that tie all of these churches in uh, with us is, is this statement, he, that has, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So their praise, uh, they, their works, they had praise for their works. They had praise for their charity. Uh, they had praise for their service and, and their faith. And, and it says that their, their works, your works, and the last to be more than the f uh, first. So they, they, had, they showed some growth. Their uh, last to be uh, bigger than the first. But their admonishment still was to repent from following and just tolerating this immorality <clears throat> immorality and false teaching that was going on. He that has an ear, verse 29, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Sardis, uh, Revelation 3, uh, the meaning of the name, song of joy, or that which remains. And, you know, they have this claim to churchhood, uh, but, but are apathetic, spiritually empty, and and near dying. Now, 
if you have your Bible, you know that all of these are red letter words uh, spoken to uh, us directly from Christ. So here is a people ready to give in for whatever reason. Verse 1, unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, you, you, that you have a name, that you live, but are dead. Again, you look at these words, Christ knows. He knows every one of us. He says, I know your works. He knows everything about us. And so we have, they have a living reputation as a, a, a church that Jesus built, but in reality, they were lifeless. They were not complete. So they are given this wake-up call. Verse 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Over in Matthew 7, 21, I'm, I'm just going to read this. Uh, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So we see that we have a choice in doing the will of God or just going the opposite way. And sometimes, you know, we lose uh, our strength, we become weak, and, and for whatever reason, we tend to, ha tend to give up. We be, start to, like, you know, when you uh, plant your garden, if you don't water it, if you don't cultivate the dirt around it, you've got to care for it. That way it will grow. But if not, it's just going to uh, weaken. So you have a garden that's basically dying. Verse 3. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. If, therefore, you shall not watch, if you shall not watch, I will come on you as a thief, and you shall not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So, you know, we get this hint that, you know, some of them have defiled their garments, which has led to them uh, to be a church, having spirituality, but really empty and, and near dying. Uh, verse 5, he that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Towards Sardis, we don't really see any praise, but they're reprimanded to wake up, to be watchful, because they were uh, exhibiting some uh, indifference, apathy, not really remembering what they were called to do, to be uh, an active, living church. So everything they started out with was just about ready to be lost. Philadelphia, Revelation chapter 3. We know that this is a faithful and obedient church, and we know that the name means brotherly love. Verse 8, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door 
and no man can shut it, for you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. You know, they have limited strength, but yet they have not given up on their faith in Christ, and they go on loving one another. So, <clears throat> when you put all the good things mentioned as praises in all these churches, we find this particular body in very good standing. Before them is the door of salvation. It's open to them. No man can clo close it on them because they have not denied Jesus. They have not denied his name, his honor, his reputation, his, his authority. Verse 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which you have that no man take your crown. So Christ will appear in due time. We just have to hold on. Because he that overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So we know that there is a sure reward that Christ has gone to prepare a place for us. So like Philadelphia, the church here means brotherly love. Uh, this brotherly love can be you know, found in fellowship. And we recognize it. We know that it is the love of God that just permeates every uh, member of the church of God. Laodicea, Revelation 3, uh, beginning verse 15. We know that this is a, uh, a lukewarm church, half-hearted. Uh, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I would you were cold or hot. Be, you know, be one or the other. So then, because you are lukewarm, you know, they were just tepid. They were, uh, they just didn't have the enthusiasm. And, um, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. You know, that doesn't really sound, you know, the word spew is a little bit uh, softer than what the word would mean. Uh, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, and this is, you know, the offensive part. Because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and don't know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Okay, I have a scripture that I wanted to go to, Brian, but I didn't uh, include this. But it's in the book of Romans. I'm not used to my fingers doing the walking like I used to, but Romans chapter 12. I hope there's a chapter 12, yeah. Verse 1-2. We read here, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we are to be, not be conformed to this world. And in a lot of ways, these churches were conforming to the ways of the world and not proving what is acceptable unto, the, un, unto God in, in their behavior. So, back to verse 18. Here's the uh, counsel for them. I counsel you, counsel you to buy of me gold uh, tried in the fire that you may be rich and white raiment that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. In a lot of ways, economic prosperity can cause spiritual what uh, one commentator said is uh, spiritual bankruptcy. So these body of believers, they took pride in their gains and their material things, their well-being and their prosperity. But spiritually, they just didn't see that they were impoverished because they placed the faith in the treasures that they were putting upon the earth. Their priorities were in that direction. And... The counsel is to anoint your eyes with ice sal that you may be seen. And ironically, the, the city was known for its eye sal, for its uh, ointment for sore eyes. But yet, uh, yet in, in verse 19, as uh, Christ continues, he says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And, you know, that can be applied to all of these churches. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him. I will eat with him and he with me. You know, that, that dinner, that uh, wedding feast that is going to be held. Uh, from uh, Erdman's handbook to the Bible, uh, there's, there's this quote about the condition of the Laodiceans. The quote is, the worst case of all seven is a church so self-satisfied as to be totally blind to its true condition. It is so far from what it should be that Jesus stands outside, knocking for admittance to the lies of individuals who themselves uh, Christians are, end quote. So they were spiritually blind. They really weren't, you know, uh, opening the door, paying attention to the knock. But they looked at their riches as, you know, their achievements that could get them by. So they were lukewarm. And again, this uh, city's water came from uh, hot springs that by the time it reached uh, the city, it was lukewarm. Uh, 21. To him that overcomes... Will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne? He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. See, that was the... Uh, 
Laodicean was the seventh church. When all of these, when you take into account all of these corrections, all of these admonitions, all of these praises, you put them together, you have this completion of seven. This is how the churches can be complete if they pay attention to all of these praises, admonitions, and corrections. And we see that one of the ties that uh, we see that is through all of these churches, you know, I mentioned that he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. It's also the word that you see quite often in this is about overcoming. You see uh, overcoming whatever, you know, is brought out to overcome and on top of that to repent, to change, to become the church that Jesus is concerned about because all of these churches have God's Holy Spirit. They just try uh, to bring them out of their, uh, of their uh, waywardness. So we can take these as meant for the churches as a whole, but more importantly, we should look at these as meant for us as individuals to make an attitude adjustment. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. It is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereon, thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that you are the temple of God? You know, this is what the church is. This is, you know, we're members. Having God's Holy Spirit makes us members. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So when we're confronted by things that are adverse to our salvation, to our spiritual condition, we need to remember, hey, wait, you are the temple of God. You don't want to let corruption or immorality or things uh, corrupt your temple in where the Holy Spirit is. Because if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, a couple of uh, verses here. Again, what, as in a question, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Well, you know, we belong to Christ. We belong to God. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, you know, our conversation, our conduct is based on heavenly guides. The heavenly words that we, that we have. We need to realize that Christ paid a pretty big price for our salvation, for our, our redemption. Bought with a price to be redeemed from sin and with the promise of everlasting life. So, you know, we are a body that gathers and we know those things. Each one of us is here because we know that we are redeemed and we seek to honor our Savior, and you know, that makes us a unit, that makes us a family with, with a common bond, a common tie. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, 
And that applies, you know, the, to those churches from way back. It applies to the churches now as we read them in the book of Revelation. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Let's drop on down to verse 26. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So that sometimes when we know that there are sorrows that people are experiencing in their lives, when things are not going wrong, uh, going right I should say, when things are all going wrong, we sympathize, we pray for them. Because we know what it's like to ourselves suffer some of these things that a lot of people are suffering. Disease, struggles, and relationships, and so on. So we all suffer in a way. We all empathize. We sympathize. And we pray. And when one has, you know, something good happen to them, you know, we rejoice. That's what we're supposed to do. And it says, now you are the body of Christ. And members in particular. I've been a while in the Church of God since 1972. And I have, you know, been a member of different congregations. And this, uh, it's been a long time since I've been in this church. And uh, it took me a while to know everybody's name. And still I forget. I, once I get it memorized, it's like somewhere along the line I forget. But... We are a family. We are a unit. We are members in particular. And, you know, we grow together. Some of us, uh, like me, some of us a lot slower than others. But as we go through life, we find that we can become affected. We can, we can become infected by the corruption that we see in the world around us. It's in the world. It can make us angry. It can make us hate one another. It can make us sin. It could, you know, put out stumbling blocks for us that will cause iniquity. So these influences, like a stumbling block, they can take our mind away from walking in God's spirit. And, you know, God's spirit, uh, as, as opposed to the works of the flesh, uh, you can read about those in Galatians 5. But we see in James chapter 4, 4, it says, Friendship of the world is enmity with God. You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. The... Uh, the NIV uh, translation uh, has, puts it this way. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So we have to be careful of the waywardness that is in the world, the corruption that is in the world. These things that can draw away our faith and cast a stumbling block in our faith. So, you know what a friend is. You know, uh, what is your definition of a friend? 
Abraham Lincoln was asked that question. Uh, so when he's asked, he, he just sort of, what is it? You know, like he would say, what is your definition of a friend? You have to think about it. And so I guess he stroked his beard a little bit and he wondered about it. And what is your definition of a friend? And he said, it's anyone who shares, uh, let me read this. <laughs> oh yes, I was going to put it the wrong way. One who has the same enemies of you as you do. So, you know, you could be on the wrong side and have enemies. You could be on the right side and have enemies. And in John chapter 15, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John 15. And verse 14. First verse 13, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And we know that's what uh, Jesus did for us. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You are my friends, Jesus says to us. We have his words in red letter there in, in John. So we know that Christ is, is speaking directly to us. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, <clears throat> at this time of year, and this was mentioned earlier, we are told to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith, to see if we are really living it. So, you know, we take stock, a, a kind of a yearly look at making sure our focus is on Jesus Christ and what he did for us, what he has done for us, and paying the price for our redemption. So we see this examining, examination of self as a self-inspection. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 13, uh, Five, it says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. You know, that is, you know, people who are reprobate, they don't have any moral principles. They're without uh, those uh, principles. They're unprincipled. In 2 Corinthians, I don't think I gave this to jo, uh, Brian, but in, second, in 1 Corinthians 11, 27, uh, we do this in order, this examination, to keep the feast of remembrance. You know, Christ said, uh, this do in remembrance of me. Take the bread, take the wine, do the foot washing, this do in remembrance of me. So that we are able to discern the Lord's body as our sacrifice. And so let a man examine himself, it says, and so let him eat of that uh, bread and drink of that cup in confidence because, you know, as mentioned earlier, by grace we are saved. 1 John uh, chapter 9, verse 4, 
And this can be said about everything that we read in the Bible. These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is a message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. In John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So, little children, it says, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Every church, every follower of Christ, our body of believers, should remember that Jesus is preparing a place for them, and he will bring that reward at his re return. So there are these things, in closing, that ties these churches we read about to us today. We see Jesus and his love and concern for his people, for he walks uh, among the candlesticks. And in each of these letters, we see words that have to do not only with praise, but also shortcomings and admonishments of words like overcoming and repentance. And the admonition in those words that I've repeated before, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. And it will help greatly if we pray each day, if we meditate and read God's word. So we see he that has an ear, let him hear. That's to us today. We're to listen up. Pay attention to these spoken words of Christ and consider each one as a personal letter to us as individual Christians. So this is Christ speaking to us, to you, to me, those whom he has called out of this world to be in him and those who have the Holy Spirit of God.